We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. everything and God's love is real and when that love explodes in your heart your life will never ever be the same again perfect love friends not perfect circumstances not an abundance of money not even a pretty face is going to give you the ability to move forward in life and live this life in abundance God's perfect for me is the source of my life the strength of my life, and the power in our lives. Now, I learned that you become like the God you serve. Okay? I thought God was angry and disappointed with me, so I lived angry and disappointed in a sad life until I learned how much he loves me. And I want to say to you, God says we're his masterpiece. Now, masterpiece means it's a work of outstanding artistry. Outstanding skill of workmanship. So you are a great work of outstanding workmanship, artmanship, by the creator of the universe. But you've got to see yourself like that. Now let's get real. Who knows that my life didn't change in a day? Because change is a process. Transformation is a process. It takes time. And I had to change my heart to come in line with the word of God. Why did I have to do all of that? I had to do it because my heart is the garden of my life. I'm the landscaper. I'm the gardener. I've got to plant. I've got to water. I've got to feed. And that is why it's so important that we know how real God is in our lives. Because, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. God told me a few years, many years ago, Dalian, you don't know how real I am. I'm your real. This life can't be more real. Nothing in life than God himself. And if you choose Jesus to be your real, your reality, you will live that life. I know Jesus spoke to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, says John, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that's how Jesus became real to me when I started writing this word on my heart, and it changed my life. So I've got... A few let's get real stories that I want to share with you. And we're going to have an exciting time to go through the word and learn from other people how what this reality looks like. Now, my first let's get real is trust God only. And I can immediately, it comes in my mind how many things we can trust. The system. The government, the doctor, whatever it is, but trust God only. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And this scripture is speaking about our human understanding. So, you know, like trying to justify things, trying to work things out of my mind. I've learned that I trust, when I trust God with all of my heart, all means all then my own understanding becomes less important. And when I trust God with all of my heart, there's no space in my heart to trust anything or anybody else. Okay? And there's one person that's the most beautiful example, Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
trusted God with all of our heart. Now we must remember, Mary was pregnant with the Savior of the world, but she was a very young girl, young and unqualified for this big task was given her. But, you know, I can just, can you imagine being so lonely because you're, you're pregnant, but you're so scared that anybody would know? Because she was obviously scared of what the people were going to say. She was also scared about what Joseph was going to say, because that's just in a human understanding how she worked this. But Mary had a word from God, and that word was Luke one thirty-eight, where she said, let it be to me according to your word. So friends, my life and my being is connected to God's word. God never intended, I love this about our Father, he never intended for us to live life on our own. He never works independently from us. Let me tell you, I tried that. And that's when I made the biggest mistakes in my life, when we live independent from God. He wants to do life with us. So being real means to trust God with all of our hearts. And our second let's get real story is keep reaching towards God's plan for your life. Because we know God has a good plan for us, a plan with an expectant end. But we have to reach out for that life. And I love Paul's words to us. Let's hear what Paul says, Philippians 3.12 in the NLT. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13 says, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So how are we going to live God's perfect plan for us? And this is very important, by focusing on forgetting the past. Because I, my life had changed, but do you know that I can go back to that place if I keep on reminding myself of all the bad things that I did and everything that happened to me. Your past is only worth remembering if it's good. If it's bad, we keep it where it is in the past. Focus on the future. Focus on the future, says Paul, on this heavenly prize. In other words, he was heavenly focused. And also learn to enjoy the moment that we're in. That is being real. Because even in this moment, even if something terrible happens to us now, God is real in that moment. We can never, ever divide ourselves, distance ourselves from God almighty's reality for us because focusing on jesus will erase my past you know we remember every time every, even jesus did that he focused on his father and he fed five thousand people this is how important it is and you know what saints yesterday can be my past that's how close my past can be to me it's not just many, many years ago. It can even be yesterday. If it's bad, yesterday, forget it. Because I want to tell you something. Sometimes we protect the bad so much with all of our hearts that we actually just don't get to that place where we can enjoy this life that God has given us.
Forget the failures. Forget the bad experiences. So being real means that I put a higher value on God's word. Sorry. Focusing on Jesus. I'm getting distracted. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go to the third. Let's get real story. And this is very important. Protect the word of God with all of your life. With all your life. Because in the same way, many times we protect the bad. We nurture it. We put it in our face all the time. We look after it. So being real means that I put a higher value on God's word on in my life. And there, Elizabeth Zachary, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Luke 124 in the Amplified says, Now after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. And for five months, she secluded herself completely, saying, This is how the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor on me to take away my disgrace among men. This was such a miracle, because remember, Elizabeth was past childbearing age. So I asked myself the question, why did she hide herself away for five months? Because when someone is pregnant in the beginning of the pregnancy, you can't see that they're pregnant. So she didn't want to tell anybody because they were going to laugh at her or they would simply not believe her because she was already at an older age. So she kept that promise from God safe. She protected it against what people will say because she didn't want the unbelief of her family and friends to jeopardize this promise. That is what God's promise, that's how dear it is, that is how life it is. We have to protect that promise. So, and then what five months, if you think about five months, she waited until it became obvious. Because then people couldn't deny the fact that she was pregnant. Because I want to tell you today, I'm sure we all learned this, that not everybody is going to cheer you on when you stand in faith for your healing. Or if you, when you wait for that promise of finances, whatever it is. But you have a word from God. So you protect it. You get that word and you protect it. And you know what, friends? Find someone, find a friend that will stand with you. Find a friend that will walk this walk with you. Um, and I've learned that Jesus is my best friend. If there's someone, if there's nobody else that wants to stand with you, to see him standing with you. It is through living in the power of the word that we will draw out that perfect plan for our lives. Protect God's word in your life. Remember Elizabeth. And let her be your picture of this protecting this word in your life. So my fourth gets real story this morning is don't waste time. This is for us. I really believe this is a word for today. Don't waste time. There's so many things that can waste our time in this morning. We can talk about things that has got nothing to do with the abundance that God is talking about. Don't waste time because we can live God's life in abundance today. And I'm going to go to the story of David and the wife of Nabal. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 25. I'm going to read verse 2, but I'm just going to read. I'm just running through the story with you. Now, verse 2 says, Now, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. 
How rich was he? He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Verse 3 says, The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. But what a difference between the wife and the husband, hey? But he was of the house of Caleb. Now, interesting that Nabal's name means worthless. So we've already learned that he was harsh and he was evil and his name actually means worthless. And this is giving us a picture of what this man was like. And then David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep and he sent ten of his men to ask this man for help. Verse 8 says, Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes. This is David speaking. He says, For we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. But the story is that Nabal refused to help David's men. And David's men told him the whole story. And then in verse 13, David instructed his men to gird on their swords. And David did the same. He put his sword on. Listen, David wanted to take this guy out. He was not happy with Nabal's attitude. So while this was happening, one of the young men went to and told Abigail, which is Nabal's wife, and that David wanted to harm Nabal and his, all his household. Verse 17, 1 Samuel 25, 17. Now therefore, know, and this is what the young guy says, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that nothing, nobody can speak to him. There's another word for Nabal. He's a scoundrel. He's worthless, evil, and harsh, and a scoundrel. Now, you know, when I read this, and I hear what this guy is like. I can just imagine if I was Abigail, what would go through my mind. I'll be scared. I'll be angry. I'll be frustrated. He's doing it again. You know, he's just this horrible, horrible man. And I'm going to tell him, or I'm going to run away and go and sit with a friend. So just to complain or whatever, or fear for, fear for her life. But listen how Abigail responded. Verse 18 in the New Living Translation says, Abigail wasted no time. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on the donkeys. Verse 19, and she said to her servants, you go ahead, I'll follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. Friends, going back to the food, that's a lot of food. That was a lot of food that she was putting together. Not being an estate, she just went over into action. This is showing us that Nabal was really a rich man. But this is also showing us Abigail's heart. I just love the story for her heart. No hiding and fear for Abigail. Let's just go feed the people. Let's just do something. You know, to fear is to waste time because this is what love does. You see, when you know how much God loves you, this is the way you're going to respond. You're immediately going to think about those people. What am I going to do for them? But this is also what faith does because faith acts. 
faith is a response on God's goodness and on his grace. And Abigail saved this whole bad situation that was constructed by her husband by acting, by acting quickly. She didn't waste time. I want to say it again. She didn't respond in fear. How many times do we deal with situations that fear is the first response? We don't have to. Don't waste time. You know, she didn't even blame him. She didn't throw a pity party. She took charge of that moment, and in that way she saved minds, lives. Because I believe that Abigail knew that every decision we make in life can be for bad, for worse, or it can be for better. We can change any situation by our response, by the choices that we make, because we can choose life or we can choose death. Like as God says in Deuteronomy. And she chose life. And I love the fact that it says she, she moved forward swiftly. She acted immediately because she must have believed that God was with her. She must have had a relationship with the Lord. And you know what? The same way you and I can be like Abigail. We don't have to give up. We don't have to run away. We don't have to hide. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to get upset. We don't have to live by our emotions because our God is our reality. Then that is what's going to make us respond in faith. She wasted no time. And you know, God's grace for us also means his ability. I mean, we've got so much more than what Abigail had. We've got Jesus. And that Jesus is God's grace to a lost world. And because of God's ability in our lives, we can act differently. We can respond differently. This is our reality, friends. But listen to this in verse 35. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Her quick response, her acting, saved her husband's life that day. But then we read in verse 37 that he actually died 10 days later. But verse 40 says, When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. Let's get real this morning, friends. In the end, because of her faith response, Abigail was protected, she was promoted, and she was loved. And that is exactly, faith in God will protect you, it will promote you, and you're going to feel loved. Not like my life was in the penthouse. No, here today, I am protected. I am promoted because God says he's the one that promotes us. And I know that I'm loved. So my fifth Let's Get Real story is rise to meet your destiny. We're going to talk about Esther. But I want to say to you this morning, get up, child of God. Just get up and live that life that God has given you. Now, the story of Esther is we know that Mordecai, the Jew, raised Esther after her parents died, and then we know that she became queen to King Ahasuerus. The story of Esther is for me a picture of God's favor for us with man and with God. For Esther, but for us. We know Psalms 5.12 says that God's favor surrounds us as with a shield. So God's favor 
is our gift through as a free gift. I mean, you and I don't even have to do anything to deserve it. You must know in your life, wherever you walk, regardless of COVID, regardless of the economy, regardless of where you live, of what your what job you do, you have God's favor. Wherever you walk, you have his favor. So the first key to rising up to meet our destiny is the fact that God's favor will promote you, it will equip you. Esther 2 verse 9 says, Now the young woman pleased him, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her, besides her allowance. And the custodian of the woman, Haggai, moved Esther and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the woman. In verse 15, and Esther, at the end of the scripture, it says, Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. I want you to put your name in there this morning. I want you and I, or say to yourself, obtain favor in the sight of all who will see me and meet me. And then verse 17 tells us that the king loved Esther more than all the other women, so he set the royal crown about her head and made a queen. That is what Jesus did for us. We've got crowns on our heads. And you know what I love about favor? Because favor is always returned. A favor always moves. Favor will have an overflow in other people's life. When you live with God's favor, aware of God's favor, it will have an effect in other people's lives. So we know that Queen Esther saved the king's life by telling him that Mordecai discovered that the two doorkeepers was going to kill him. So she saved the king's life. And then Haman and conspired conspired against the Jews that he wanted to kill them. And Esther agreed to help the Jews. You see what favor does? It doesn't just stay with you. It benefits other people as well. So the second key to meet our destiny this morning is that even in the presence of recognition and fame, success, luxury, Esther kept her heavenly perspective and um, her integrity. And this is a big thing because success and fame and riches, whatever, has got the Ability to change us. So let Esther be an example for us. She didn't. She kept her perspective and she kept her integrity. And an interesting Esther's name is, means star. And Esther's star shone very brightly for her people. Esther kept her heavenly perspective. So the third key to meet your destiny, and her, her, life, yeah, her life is also such a beautiful picture, is living in constant communion with our Father. Because uh, I think my English uh, Facebook page is walking with Jesus. This is what our lives is. We are walking with Jesus. I'm always with him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We do life with him. So Esther 4 verse 16 in the New King James, Esther said to Mordecai, she said, go gather all the Jews that are present in Sushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast in the same way. And so I will go to the king which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. These are huge words. She didn't care if she was going to die. So Mordecai went away and did exactly as Esther had commanded him. What I get out of this is that Esther planned to pray and intercede for the people. And that's the same way that we can live, to pray, to rise up. You know, she rose up, rose up even if it would cost her life. And this is the way to live. This is our reality because of Jesus. Not because of me 
or what I've done, but because of Jesus, we can also rise up. We can also intercede for our others. Um, and then as Esther, we will rise up and meet our destinies. Um, my six let's get real story this morning, and I love this one. This was a new revelation the Lord gave me yesterday, is faith in God changes everything. Faith in God changes everything. We know 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. But let's hear who's our, our human story this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, friends, there's so much power in this scripture. I mean, he moved with godly fear. Almost everything that we've spoken about, we read here about Noah. And I just want to show you that the things not seen as yet here was speaking of the judgment of God and of the rain. Now, many scholars believe that prior to the flood, because there was, there's never been rain before, God watered the earth through mist or dew. That's what he did. So, imagine for yourself that for Noah to build an ark on dry land, where there's never been rain before. Can you imagine the people's response and reactions? I mean, he must have been the joke of the day. Because nobody, nobody, they couldn't understand what he was doing. I think in the first place, they've never seen a ship. So what was, this man must have lost his mind. It reminds me a little bit of what's happening in the world today. You know, as believers, God says the Holy Spirit tells us of things to come. We know what's happening. We can see the signs. But for the unbelievers, so Noah's act of faith was actually a judgment to the rest of the world. Which doesn't mean that Noah was better than anybody else. But what I love about the story is people say that it took Noah, because of Genesis 3 verse 6, they say it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. But they say it's not like that. The true scholars say it's, that's from when God decided that he's going to destroy the earth up to the day that Noah and them got in the ark. So they're talking about 98 years. I don't want to fight about the years that it took him. But you know what God told me is this is the grace of God, that even though the Lord was so angry with, those, with the people that he created that he wanted to destroy the earth, he gave them 120 years to repent. And that time while Noah built the ark, he gave them all that time to get to know this guy, to get to know why he's doing that, why he's... You see how precious this time is? That we, what we do, a guy like Noah, the only crazy guy on the planet at that time, was building an ark on dry land. I mean, they've never seen a flood before. So, this tells me if one man, Noah, could trust God and believe in him, then anybody else there in, on the planet had the opportunity to do exactly the same, which obviously they didn't. And that is the sadness of the story of Noah and the ark. But I want to tell you this morning, if Noah could believe, 
and trust God where he was. Can you imagine going out every day, facing everybody, building an ark, which was, could not have been an easy um, exercise? He really must have trusted God to do that. So we can say thank you to Noah otherwise. So who was Noah? Let's go to Genesis 6. I'm just going to read a few scriptures to you. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Just like you and I have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the verse 9 says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Our righteousness in Christ, you see, he was a picture of our righteousness, perfect in his generations. But I love the end of the scripture. Noah walked with God. See, he's the walking with Jesus again. Noah walked. He didn't walk with the shame. He didn't walk with the anger of the other people. He didn't walk with, with all the sin and all that. No, he walked with God. And because of Jesus, we have that grace. We have that perfectness. When we walk with him, we will be able to do things like Noah did. Verse 18 says, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into your ark, your, into the ark, you and your family. God was talking here to Noah about his covenant with Noah. And we know today, in the same way we have a covenant with God, that it will never be shaken, that can never be changed. And verse 22 says, this was, thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, he did. There's something in listening giving attention to the Lord's words. Verse 18, why do I have 18? He says, but I will establish my covenant. No, sorry. This is faith. Let's go back to that scripture. Noah did according to all God commanded him. This is faith to do what God says. What I wanted to remind you of this morning that God's words to us is his grace instructions to us. In every instruction, there's his grace in there and there's power in that grace. Like when God says, given you will receive. Given it will be given back unto you. He says, Jesus many times says, if you can believe it, you'll receive it. So this is what God says um, to us. So we can be like a Noah. And then my last Let's get real story. Seven is the perfect number. So we end with number seven. First Corinthians 3 verse 6, Paul says, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And I want to say to you this morning, child of God, every seed, every seed that you sow, every seed that you sow will grow and bear fruit. And I could think of no better story than the story of the Shunammite woman in Second Kings 4 verse 8, the New Living Translation said, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her house for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. Now I love how the Amplified talks about her. It says, a rich and influential woman. The NIV says, a well-to-do woman. And the message says, a leading lady of the town. This was one precious woman. This was one smart woman. And we can see where her smartness lies. This woman constrained Elijah to eat with her and her husband. She actually forced them to eat with, for him to eat with them. She was 
adamant that she was going to sow into the prophet's life. She was adamant. She would not let him pass by without blessing him. And this illustrates beautifully for, to me that Matthew 11, 12, who says that the, that the um, kingdom of God has to be taken by force. We will take the kingdom of God by force. And our giving is one of the ways to connect with the kingdom of God, with all the promises that God has given us. It is so important. So we have to be adamant in our giving. Verse 9 and 10 tells us how this all happened. Um, she said to her husband, she said, I'm sure this man who stopped from time to time is a holy man of God. So let's build him a small room on the roof and finish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay when he comes by. This woman was a giver. She didn't just feed him. She built a room for him where he could come and rest. And this was an expensive exercise. This wasn't someone ate next to me. This was quite profound. And we know the story that Elijah asked Gehazi one day, what can we do for her, you know? And her answer was, I loved her answer, I dwell among my people. I'm happy where I am, you know? I'm good. She said, I'm good. Elijah asked again, and then Gehazi told Elijah that she doesn't have any children. And then Elijah gave her a word, and a year later, the son was born. But we know the story. The son grew up, and he was a young child. He was in the field with his dad one day, and he got sick. He had bad headaches. The, the father sent him to his mom, and he died in her arms. But if you know the story of the Shunammite woman, she never gave up on the word that God gave her. She never gave up. Every time someone asked her, how's your husband? How are you? How a child? That's how after the child she, uh, uh, died, she said, all is well. That was the only words she spoke, all is well. So let's get real this morning. Go back to the beginning of the story. What did this woman, what happened in the Shunammite woman's life? She sowed first and then she received she sowed, and then she received. And this is exactly how the kingdom of God works, saints. This is why she received her miracle. Her giving opened the channel for all God's blessings. Because this is a grace instruction. This is not a job that God gave us to do. This is not a burden to carry. This is a grace instruction. In other words, everything that Jesus is, is in that instruction. His abundant life is in that instruction. Yeah, gives to Elijah, if you think about it practically, actually gave her a child in old age. That's what her giving did. She held on. You know, this woman, I just love her because she taught me so much in my life. Because she held on from the word to that she held on to that word from the prophet. And Elisha raised her child from the date. The Shunammite woman teaches us that you and I have to aggressively pursue the things of God. Aggressively. With all of our hearts. And we do that through our giving because our gifts will make room for us. I've seen ministries that, that is just flourishing. They give us. 
That's who we are. That's who God created us to be, to be givers, to, to bless people. And giving actually creates miracle in our lives. There are many people that's got testimonies of that, that they sowed a seed and while they were in the service they were healed or something. So I want you to engrave these words in your heart this morning as we learned after we learned from all these people. The kingdom of God is real. It's our reality. God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Nothing, dear friend, can stand in the way of you living the life that God has planned for you. Nothing. Because you are his masterpiece. You know what? They don't hide a masterpiece behind, behind a table or behind a chair. They put it out, up, high, perfect for everybody to see. God has put you up on the highest mountain for everybody to see. I want us to start celebrating this life that God has given us. And this we can do if we go back. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Reach out for that plan that he has for your life. Protect God's word. Don't waste time. Get up. Stand up in that life that he's given you. And faith in God changes everything. And then every seed that we sow will bear fruit. Every seed. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.